You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, we're continuing our summer series on the basics of the faith. So we're kind of going through some some very specific things. And we started by talking about who God was and that he's in charge of this whole thing. He created all this. He's sovereign. He's loving. And then he made mankind. So then we focused on who you were as a person. Who are we as people? And that we are God's kind of chief creation. As he finished, he sat back and said, this is very good. He made us in his image. That means that we have some likenesses to God. We're creative like God, right? We have um, the ability to choose right and wrong uh, and make decisions that matter uh, on, on a big scale. And so we have these things that make us um, different than everything else, and yet we chose those things that God made us special to have, and we've used them wrongly, which is sin, and sin entered the world and broke everything up, and what was meant to be a perfect relationship between God and man was severed in the garden, right, when we chose sin, and so we looked at the, the, the effects of sin and how it broke everything in our relationship and how we could never move back to perfect because we'd already broken the thing that God had made. And so there was no hope for us to be good enough. There was no amount of uh, prayers that we could offer or sacrifices that we could offer to close the gap between man and God. And so God sent his very son, Jesus, right, to die on the cross, to bridge the gap. I love the Steps to Peace with God track. Some of you um, know that track by the Billy Graham Society. And it shows t- two cliffs on either side. And then, you know, man's over here and God's over here. And you can't span the gap, but then Christ comes, and the cross of Christ bridges the gap between the two, right? And so Christ came as an intermediary to be between God and man to give us a chance to be made righteous. Through his death and resurrection, we have the right to be called holy and righteous. We take on Jesus's righteousness, not our own, and if we would believe, the Bible says, if you confess through your mouth that Jesus Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So we have hope in our salvation. And then the work of the Spirit comes in at salvation. So we talked a little bit about what the Holy Spirit did, how he uh, convicts us of sin, how he guides us toward righteousness, how he, he points us in the direction we're supposed to do, and how he illuminates Scripture. As we read Scripture, the Holy Spirit draws truth out for us and helps us to apply it to our lives. That's what he does uh, in the life of the believer. Then we talked last week about the church. What is this thing, the church? Why does the church exist? What's the purposes of the church? And we discovered there was a few purposes of the church. One is to do what we're doing right now, to study God's word together, right? To have the apostles' teaching to be focused on study. The next purpose of the church that we had, that we uh, wanted to focus on, was that we devoted ourselves to prayers, right? And so we pray. We've had a couple times of prayer already today. Hopefully you've devoted yourself to prayer this morning before you came here. You know, you can do a lot of prep work for church in your house before you get here. You can take a moment between you and God and prepare your heart for what God's going to say to you in the Sunday school time, what God's going to say to you in the service. And so we devote ourselves to prayer, but we also devote ourselves to fellowship, hanging out together, and to breaking bread together, which is what we're going to do uh, in, in some way, in just a few minutes, like in 20 or 30 minutes, we're going to go next door and we're going to break bread together. We're going to have a meal together. There's something about the body of Christ coming together, right, that fulfills one of the purposes of the church to fellowship together. Another purpose, the breaking bread, we'll do next week, 
which is where we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the Lord's Supper, right? Where we actually share that meal, Christ's meal, together as, as a body of believers. That's the purposes of the church. So if that's what the church is about, then the next question that you need to be asking yourself, and the next question that I'm going to make you ask yourself, is where do you fit inside of that purposed church? So if the church has those designs, what is your role here inside of God's kingdom? What is your role in the church? And some of you have a sense of what that role is, right? Some of you are already filling roles that you feel like that's where God wants you to be. Maybe you're teaching a Sunday school class and you just know, like through the, through the leading of the Holy Spirit and through the confirmation of leadership in the church and among people around you, that that's where you're supposed to be. You're teaching a Sunday school class. That is where you're supposed to be. Some of you may, 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 may be greeting people at the front door when they come in, and you just have that natural gift of making people feel welcome. Right? And so you're where you're supposed to be. But there's a lot of us that don't really know where we fit inside of this thing. And some of us may even think, because I don't have the gift of teaching, or I don't feel like I need to be teaching a Sunday school class, and I don't feel like I need to be up there preaching like Matt is, and... I don't really want to be a deacon. Like, I don't know what I can do. I don't, even, I don't even think there is a spot for me because I don't have those things. Today we're going to talk about that. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians is uh, after the book of Romans. So you go the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You get the book of Acts, then Romans, then 1 Corinthians. If you get to 2 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians... Uh, you will be a little bit too far. Just flip back just a little bit, and you'll get where you're supposed to be. Or if you get to the General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians section, flip back a little bit further as well. But 1 Corinthians is a letter Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. It's one of at least three letters that he wrote to that we still have um, to the church in Corinth. And, uh, and he's encouraging them to do better. He's encouraging them to do better. This church was messed up. I mean, like, you've probably been in some messed up churches, right? Most of us, if you've been in church long enough, you've seen some messy stuff. So much so that, like, you've probably seen people just disappear from the church because the church got so messy, right? It's sad when the church gets messed up and gets real messy, but the church at Corinth was about as messy as a church could be. Like, sin was being celebrated, bad things were going on, leadership was, was crazy inadequate, and Paul is hearing about all these things. He's like, let me write you a letter. And then after he writes that letter, he's like, things are not getting better. I have to write another letter. Right? And then after he, that letter is not received, he's like, i got to write another letter. And so we have two of those three. One of them is referenced in 2 Corinthians. It's the sorrowful letter. Uh, it's not important. But just to say, this church was so messed up that the Apostle Paul, the, the, the preeminent missionary, apostle, evangelist, church starter had to continue to try to instruct this church. Like he wrote one letter to the church at Galatians. He wrote one letter to the church in uh, Colossae, right? He wrote one letter to the church in Philippi. But the Corinthian church just had so many issues. Uh, yet, Paul saw fit to write them this letter. And so one of the things that he's trying to do is to tell them how the church functions. And so he spends the first part of chapter 12 talking about spiritual gifts. Now, I'm not going to major on spiritual gifts today, but I will say this, if you're a believer, uh, the Holy Spirit, along with illuminating God's word, along with instructing you about what you're supposed to do, gives you specific spirit giftedness. You are gifted by the spirit. 
and that does not pass a generation. It's not like I'm going to gift Matt, but I'm not going to gift his kid, or I'm going to gift you know, this person, but not the person next to them. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit gifts everyone with some giftedness. And there's a variety of ways that you can help uh, to understand spiritual gifts. I remember when I was young, I took a spiritual gift inventory. How many of you have ever done a spiritual gift inventory? Literally just me and a few. Yeah, a lot of y'all raise hands like y'all did not put on deodorant today, and that's okay. But I've been there. I know, I know that. But, but yeah, your hands can go up. Okay, Aaron, it's okay. Uh, there, look at that. Okay. Oh, uh, we can, um, but if, you, if you've done a spiritual gift inventory, all that does is it tries to help you understand, like, here's maybe, there's a list of, like, 25 gifts. Here's maybe something based on your responses that, that may be your spiritual gift, right? And so sometimes we have to discern that out. I, I encourage y'all, it's not bad to do, um, just don't take it as, like, gospel. Like, there's not, there's not, like, an addendum at the end of Revelation where it's like, oh, and here's a spiritual gift inventory that God has given you to take, right? Uh, and so just don't take it as a gospel account, but it can help you understand. A spiritual gift inventory is where I learned that I lack the spiritual gift of mercy. Um, it was, uh, I was taking the thing, and I was going through it, and then you just answer the questions, honestly, like 100 questions. It's just answer, 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 answer. It's like teaching, prophecy, exhortation, all up here, and then it's like mercy, and it was like you could get up into, like I don't know, the 30s or 40s or something, and I got like four or six or something. I was like, oh, that's not good. Uh, and then I told my mother-in-law this, and she confirmed that that is an accurate representation of who I am. <laughs> and I said, okay, I didn't know. Um, I, I don't know. So if, if you need mercy as a spiritual gift, talk to Mrs. Higginbotham before you talk to Mr. Higginbotham. Um, I, I'm, just, I just, I'm a little too black and white, I think, in that area, maybe. But regardless, God gives you spiritual gifts, and the gifts are the reason he gives them is so that the church can have everything it needs to do the work that the church is supposed to be doing. And the work of the church is spelled out in those purposes and also in the Great Commission. And so if we're going to be going out and making disciples of all nations, baptizing people, teaching them the veil that Christ has commanded us, if that's what we're going to be doing, then we need people to hold up the entirety of the body of Christ. And so he talks about spiritual gifts. I'm a believer, yes, uh, that spiritual gifts are given on a community-by-community basis. I think in the, in, 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 inside of this community of Rockdale, and maybe it could be subsected some way, um, but inside of Rockdale, that if all the spirit-filled believers got together, we would have everything that we need um, to be an effective, efficient, well-run, well-balanced body for Christ. We, however, are very bad at getting along with other believers. And so what happens is we start 20 and 30 churches in a town like Rockdale that has 5,000 people. And then churches become ugly and misshapen. And I don't mean ugly like the buildings are ugly or the people are ugly, because I've already told you, y'all look great today. I mean that the body becomes, like, misformed. And so instead of having, like, a, a body that's normally proportioned, we have gigantic heads in some churches and gigantic feet in some churches with hardly any head. We have churches with no arms. We have churches with long arms. The churches do not look right. They're actually kind of uh, spooky, scary looking. And it's because what happens is you find in the, when you have 30 churches to choose from, uh, you go to a church that, that feels right to you. And so if you like a church that's, that's heady, that, that, that has lots of, lots of teaching going on, and man, I just love that stuff right there, 
Like, like that's how you're built. That's how God made you. And so you settle there. Like, that's just where you go because it, it ministers to you. And then the head gets a little bit bigger because that's what your spiritual gift was as well. But if you go to a church that's service-oriented, maybe their feet are out working and pounding the pavements and going around and doing the things there, and they're just serving and serving and serving, and that's not what you're into. You're like, I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be out pounding the pavement all the time. I don't like that. Then you go somewhere else. But if that's who you are, man, I love going, and I love doing stuff like Feed Rock doing. I love going out and, and, and canvassing neighborhoods and knocking on doors. I love those things then you're going to end up in a church like that, and that church's foot gets a little bit larger. But the rest of the body doesn't change proportionately with it. And if, by the grace of God, we were able to fold all these Christians together into one place, the body would be appropriately proportioned. I really believe that we've damaged the body by separating out. I think it's shameful what we've done to the body. And this is pre-you, this uh, predates y'all. Um, this has been going on in the church for... I don't know, since the Reformation at least, for a long time, we've been busting the body up and dividing it into different areas. And well, this person believes slightly different about this one specific issue, so I'm going to start a whole other church. Or I don't like this person because they were kind of rude to my daddy one time at the store, and so I can't go to church with them, so I'm going to start another church. And this happens and happens and happens. And over the course of a town that's 150 years old, like Rockdale, Texas, all of a sudden there's seven or eight or nine Baptist-like churches in our town. And that's an abomination. Like, it, it, it is wrong. And we need to repent of that. Like, as a body of believers, we need to see where we have been involved in that, and we need to repent of that, and where we have a weird competition mode mindset, and where we look at other churches and we have issues with them, we need to repent of that, because this thing was never meant to be cloistered away like this. It really wasn't. And it, I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a part of that. Like, I, I'm in that. I do some stuff with other ministers, and my heart is to pull churches together. Um, but let me tell you something. That is a weird heart to have because people do not like it. People are scared. They're scared that they're going to lose their influence. Like, if you're at this church and there's 100 people who attend this church on a regular basis, like, your vote counts one one-hundredth of anything. And some of your voices count for probably 30 100s, right? You can get enough people gathered around you and you can have this, this group of people who can support you. And so your voice matters. But if we were to bring in two, three, four other churches and we folded them together, all of a sudden, well, the body would be structured much more naturally. What would look more like what I think the church is supposed to look like, we would be equipped for every good work that God has called the church to do inside of one local body. Like your voices get, get smaller. And, and I don't know if any of you have, none of us, very few of us are willing to admit that that's who we are. Um, as a pastor, like, I know that's in me. Like, when I pull, if I was to pull churches together, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, they got a pastor, I'm a pastor, what do we do? How do we work that out? Like, well, am I going to preach? Are they going to preach? I'm not really worried about all that. I just think that we've got to do better. And we've got to be open to having some of these conversations and thoughts. Because God has gifted, through the Holy Spirit, this community, Rockdale, Texas, in this part of my own county, with every spiritual gift it needs to be effective in pushing against the darkness in this community. And through our pride and our hubris and our arrogance, we have divided the body up as aggressively as possible to them and them and them and finally us. 
and each of us claiming that we have some special, unique thing. But honestly, like if there's seven or eight Baptist-like churches in our town of 5,000 people, there's not a lot of difference. Like I, I know the pastor at Meadowbrook Baptist Church, they're the other large, I'll put that in air quotes, right, large Baptist church, because like we're not large either. Um, but they're the other Baptist church of record in our town. Steve Ammons and I are not different theologically, not in any meaningful way. If Steve Ammons got up here and proclaimed the gospel to you guys, you would not be like, something's wrong about this guy. He's got a different, something's wrong about him. He's a good man, loves the Lord. He has the same heart for ministry. I mean, we may have different focuses because we're gifted differently, but like the same heart that beats in him to, to reach the lost beats in me to reach the lost. Same thing at Rising Star Baptist Church, Royal Johnson, a friend of mine. Right, I've had him come preach here. Same heart that beats in Royal Johnson to reach the lost, to change this community, beats in me. He can come and stand in this pulpit. I can go and stand in his pulpit. And no one's like, this guy's different. I mean, we're obviously different. Um, but not like, this guy's so different than me. But we can't get together. Guys, I, I, I've spent 15 minutes on this, and I meant to spend two, so I apologize for that. But it really is a burden of mine. As a church, we need to be aware of that. And I don't sense a folding back together of these congregations. I don't. I don't see any momentum outside of me in this town that sees this as a problem uh, that we need to repent of. But I pray that we'll get there one day. And maybe not every church comes back together. There are differences that maybe make it hard to worship together. There's going to be differences between me and the Lutheran church where we can proclaim the same gospel, but there's enough things that we do every Sunday where it's like it would be really hard for us to worship side by side every week. We can do other things side by side. But for low church congregational churches like us and every other church that has the word Baptist or maybe even Bible in their name, uh, we probably could minister together without any hiccup except for the hiccup of who's in charge. Like, and that's the only concern. Who's in charge? Who's going to make the decision? How are we going to do this? Who's going to... I just think we... First of all, spirit should be in charge. God should be in charge. All right, all that to say, uh, yeah, God gives spiritual gifts. Okay, so go down to verse 12. Let's actually start here. Um, I apologize about that, sort of, not really. Uh, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were baptized, all were baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free, and all were made to drink the one spirit. The first thing, theologically, that we need to know about where you fit inside of the church, the structure of the church, how is this church made, is that it is one body. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like. We are one body. We are united in Christ. We have something together, something that we hold in common. That was verse 12, by the way. I don't know if I told you all where I started there. I just kind of jumped right in. Uh, that was 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Right? But, but, but the idea is like there, there's one body, right? And so we should be unified. That's kind of, I think I said something about that a minute ago. So we're going to move on. We're one body. And when we're not one body, well, then we have the problems that we're about to see. For, verse 14, the body doesn't consist of one member, <coughs> but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where, where would the, be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged each of the members in the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so the analogy for the church is the human body. And he says, look, 
the human body has a bunch of different members. You got eyes, you got ears, you got hands, you got feet, you got everything there. There's a bunch of different members, and one part of the body can't just run off and say, I don't belong to the rest of the body. Right? If you're in the church, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of the body. Whether you like it or not, whether you uh, think that this is a, a good thing or not, if you're a believer, you have joined the body of Christ, and you have a part to play you are different than other parts of the body. You may be uh, an eye or an ear or some other thing. You have very specific gifts and talent. Your shape may be very unique. So you may be different than me. I, I pray that you're different than me. That's a good thing, not to be like me in all ways. God made you unique. He made you special. That's the end of vegetables, right? Every vegetable thing, right, God? God made you special, and he loves you very much, right? That's the end of every VeggieTales episode. Anyone who grew up on VeggieTales knows this, um, like my kids did, or anyone who grew up kids on VeggieTales knows that as well. You are different. You are purposefully made different. And so don't look around at other people and other things and other shapes and other members and say, well, I mean, I, I'm not this, so I guess I don't belong. We all belong together. We're, we're designed to work together. And if my hand were to run off, my body would function a lot worse. Right? I would not be what I am today. We're different, but we're arranged purposefully. Guys, you may not love what God has gifted you to do. You may wish you had someone else's gift. I remember when I was a young uh, preacher, early in my youth ministry days, I had a friend who was a gifted preacher. And I mean gifted like uh, he came and preached at a disciple. Now I did, and he took the pulpit one Sunday, and I had people like, that guy is Billy Graham at 28 years old. He was gifted. And I remember looking at him, and like, I'm a moderate communicator, and I'm like, man, I wish I had that. And I'm looking at his gifts, and I'm like, if I could just have a little more of that, then I would be so much more effective for what I think I should be doing. But, but none of that matters, because God made me the way God made me to be, to fill the role that God called me to do. And my role was not the same as my friend's role. And the sooner you realize that God made you and gifted you the way you're supposed to be gifted, the better off the church is going to be. Stop looking at everyone else, wishing you were them, or wishing you could run away from them and start your own thing. Just remember, you're made differently, but we're arranged purposefully for God's good care. Verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. And again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow um, the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. All right. And so, so he goes on and, and he says, look, um, there may be people who say, look, because I'm not what you are, I have no part in you anymore. Uh, I don't want to be a part of you. Because this church is, is heady, right, or this church is servicey, and I'm a foot-type person, I don't want to have any part of you anymore, and you just leave. This is the divisions that took place over the course of the last 150 years in Rockdale, Texas, across the churches. 
Because I have no part of you, I will go do something else. You know, the reason that Rising Star Baptist Church, a church that's almost as old as we are, exists alongside a First Baptist Church. Do you know why that is? Anybody want to take a, just a crack shot in the dark? 150 years ago, Rockdale, Texas. Anybody? Maybe? Yeah. Wade's got an idea. Maybe something to do with race, right? Maybe something to do with race. You know, we had a totally different school over there across the tracks, right, for, for them to be at, them to be at, the people who attend Rising Star to attend, right? Right, we divided the body up over race. Even though Paul said, right, early on, there's no Jew or Greek or slave or free, right, and we're all members of the same body, even though it says it clearly in the Bible, we still divide it up. Don't you think... Like, I'm not a racial reconciliation guy. I don't think we can unring every bell that's ever been rung in American history. I don't think we can go back and paring down statues and altering history to make it more like what we want. I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the best path forward. But I do think if we're in a culture in which there are currently divisions in the church because of something that the, that the Bible specifically says should not divide us, maybe we should find a way to bridge those. Maybe we should find a way to bridge back to those. Right, to get back to what Paul said. But because we've separated out, because we've gone, the eye has said to the hand, I don't need you, and the, and the head has said to the foot, I don't need you. And what happens is we have bodies with no hands and bodies with no feet just languishing around very ineffectively doing ministry. Guys, that's not the way it was designed to be. So here's what I ask of you today. Remain united to a body and seek to bring other parts of the body back together. Right, let's seek to pull the body back together. And there are, there are lines that maybe we won't divide and, and, and cross. There are definitely things where I, I do ministerial lines, like I said, and there are people that I've done ministry with in different ways, and we're like, hey, let's do this revival together. And I'm currently the president of the ministerial alliance. I'd like to get off of that somehow, but that's where I am right now. Um, but, but they're like, hey, let's do this like, thing where we're all going to come and teach together. We'll have a discipleship thing time together. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't really want my people being discipled by you. Like, like There's some areas there where I just can't do it, where there's bridges that I can't cross, whether it's at the Lutheran church where we've got some differences on uh, you know, typically baptism, the role of baptism, and the nature of the church. Like, we've got some, some substantial issues. But where we can come together, let's begin to pull it back together. It may be one day, you know, after we're all dead and gone and Jesus is about to come back, maybe at that day we can bridge some of those other gaps. But today, I feel like the gap we can bridge is pretty easy. Like faith and order churches. If I would take your letter from the church that you came from, maybe we should just stop taking letters and start putting churches back together because the church has become misshapen. And we have a bunch of eyes without feet, a bunch of ears without hands, and the church can't do what it's supposed to do. And so we languish at work, trying so hard to be successful, but we can't swim because we don't have arms. Right? We've got to get our arms back. We've got to get our feet back. We've got to pull these things together. The church is designed to be united. We want to succeed, and success looks like pushing back darkness, making the kingdom of God more apparent in this area, seeing people one to the Lord daily. If we want to be successful, we have to be united. You know, Jesus says, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand, right? And yet we've done that. We've divided the house 
And so Abraham Lincoln took that quote and somehow made it more popular. I don't know how Lincoln did that with the Civil War. Good job, eh? I suppose. <laughs> right, but like we've divided the house. We've divided the body. And we've got to stop. And some of you have dear friends at like-minded churches. And some of you have strong opinions about like-minded churches. I have no strong opinions about any like-minded church in Rockdale, Texas, other than I want to see us find a way to pull ourselves together. Maybe not officially. Maybe we can't have uh, Rockdale Baptist Church or Rockdale Church. Maybe that thing can't come together due to some other things. But to do some stuff together, we could do. We could do Fifth Sunday stuff together. Right? We could pull some things together. And it may not be we're all worshiping in one room. We can pull some things together. But, I, I, y'all may, but some of y'all have strong opinions. I've heard some of your strong opinions about churches in our area. People have strong opinions about our church. I've heard those opinions as well from other pastors in our area. A lot of it's 30-year-old stuff. 20-year-old stuff. Stuff that happened to your daddy or your mama or stuff that happened to you when you were a young person and now you're getting the senior discount on at Brookshire's. Right? And it's probably time to let that go. Like this guy. I, I, don't, know. I don't know what you've got to do. I don't know what's inside your heart. If you've got bitterness towards a fellow church, you've got bitterness because they've hurt you, and, and I don't doubt that people have been hurt. I, look, I've been hurt at church. My, my church, two churches back, and I left there damaged and wounded. Church can hurt. Uh, the people close to you can betray you. There can be uh, sectors inside the church that can damage you. It, it is real, and it is deep wounds. I, I understand it. I'm not saying to, to just ignore the fact that pain exists. I'm saying if we want the church to be what the church is supposed to be, if the vision that Paul has for the church and your position inside of the church is going to be met, we've got to pull some of this stuff back together that we've been dividing up. I'm not a huge fan of the Catholics for a lot of reasons. I think I've made this clear. Give a thumbs up to my Catholics over there. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan for a lot of There's some issues that I have with the Catholic church. But, you know, the one thing they say about us that resonates in my heart they're like, well, I mean, once the Reformation happened, they just started splintering, and boom, church, 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 church. And like, we're still one thing. And I'm like, yeah, sort of. Um, not really, but whatever, we'll let them have that. But they really, they, they hold their stuff together. Right or wrong, they hold their stuff together. There's not Second Baptist, uh, you know, St. Joseph's, or Second Catholic St. Joseph, right across the street. They got upset because the carpet was the wrong color over there, so they started another, you know, mini St. Joseph's over there. Like they don't have St. Joseph's Black Catholic Church. Like they don't have that. So there's your praise for the Catholics today. Don't expect it next week, okay? Um, but you get it today, Catholics. Because they, 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 they're holding it together. The way they hold it together, by the way, is a top-down thing. Right? they got a guy up top that says, this is what we're going to do, dang it. Um, here we're congregational, so we, we function the other way. More biblically, by the way, that way, just so we know. But we need to pull some stuff back together. You have a role to play inside of God's kingdom. You personally have a spot that you fill in this church. My question is, are you able to fill that spot? Are you willing to fill that spot? Do you even know what that is? So I've done a, a series on a Wednesday night talking about your shape. What makes you uniquely you that no one else can fit? You know, we do puzzles at my house. Occasionally we get into series where we do puzzles. My little four-year-old enjoys doing puzzles. And so he'll sit on the floor and, and, and put puzzles together. And the puzzle only works when every piece is put where it belongs. And you are a piece of this puzzle. You fit 
in this puzzle. Your shape is unique, and you need to be in the puzzle where you go. But you have to know what your shape is. So here's how you know what your shape is, and then we'll be done. You need to know what your spiritual gifts are. You need to discern what your spiritual gifts are. You need to know what your heart is, what your passions are. What are the things that get you up in the morning and drive you to want to do something? What is it that you actually care about? Is it seeing lost people come to salvation? Is it teaching people the deeper things of Christ? Is it standing with someone as they grieve? Is it preparing food for someone who just needs a leg up? What is it that gives you joy in service? What is your heart telling you you're supposed to do? What are your abilities? You may want to be the song, you may want to be the music guy, but you can't sing. Okay? If that's the case, that's not your ability. So, so you may have the passion, but you don't have the ability. Okay, let's find something else. What are you good at? What has God given you a passion to do? Maybe you've developed a craft over you know, 30 years of work, and you can sit down and you can just do things with your hands that normal people can't do. Whatever your abilities are, you can play an instrument, you can develop a lesson plan. We have people taught how to teach, right? We, we teach you all how to teach. Teachers, as I look at the, my teachers in here, they, we teach you, right? And we, we give you material to tell you how to teach, and you go through training and extended training, and maybe you don't love doing the continuing education stuff, but it gets you out of the classroom for a day, so that's not bad, right? But you, you do all the continuing education stuff, and you do class after class after class, Right? If you know how to teach and God has given you the ability to teach and if you have a passion to teach, which I hope you do if you're doing it, maybe, maybe there's a spot there for you to teach in the church. What are your abilities? Then what, are, what, what is your personality like? Right? You, I, I don't want the person standing at the front door who does not have the personality who should be standing at my front door. Now, I love Winnie the Pooh. That's not true. I, I, I tolerate Winnie the Pooh, but I love the, the caricatures that Winnie the Pooh gives you on characters. And there are some Eeyore personalities. You are made to be an Eeyore. You are just down and out, and, and God bless you. That's how God made you. I'm, you don't, I'm not saying don't be an Eeyore. I'm saying don't be an Eeyore thinking you're the front door greeter. And someone's like, man, how are you doing today? Well, I guess I'm not dead. Okay, let's put you further inside the church, okay? Let's move you closer to the front and further away from those doors over there, okay? Because I want the person at the front door to be like, we're so glad you're here. You know how to have that kind of piglet-tigger kind of mix going on there, right? Maybe, maybe not quite full tigger, but, but near it, right? A little, little energy, a little excitement, a little glad to be here. Right? What's your personality? Because God made that in you. He shaped you. Before you were born, God knew you and gave you this personality, right? And you can work to be something else, but it's always counter who you are, you know, this introversion, extroversion thing, um, like, I'm a moderated extrovert, this is who I am, I'm kind of extroverted, uh, up here on Sunday, you're like, man, you're an extrovert, I, I can be, um, but if I do this, this isn't bad, but if I do, like, big, like, groups where I'm gathering in a party situation, like, after about two hours, I gotta go outside, and I just gotta spend, like, 30, 45 seconds outside alone, and then I can come back and I can turn it back on, but, like, that's just how God made me. And so I own who I am. What's your personality? So, so your spiritual gifts, your heart, your passions, your abilities. It's an acronym, by the way, for shape, if you haven't picked up on the spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personalities. And then your E or your experiences. What has God led you through in your life? What are your experiences that you've had that God is using to fulfill his kingdom? And once you figure out your shape, you'll fit in the puzzle of God's kingdom a lot better. You will have a role here. If you need help discerning some of those things, I would love to help you with that. 
And if you know where you are and you're not serving in the capacity that God has called you to do, well, first, shame on you. That's good for me to say. But second, let's get over that and let's get involved. Right? I want to help you to facilitate you serving. I do. I don't always know the best place to put you. I struggle sometimes with that, but I want to help you. So if you have an idea, come. Tell me. This is what I think I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to have a, I don't even know, you know a knitting ministry. God bless you. Tell me about it. Let's do it. Whatever God has called you to do, you need to do. So the body works when we fill our role that only you can fill appropriately. And if we can get more of us from other places where we're all hanging out together, we can become unified, fully unified. We'll discover that this body isn't as weird as it looks sometimes. And that God has gifted this, this place with everything it needs. Every spiritual gift necessary for training people up in righteousness and godliness. We have what we need. We've just got to put it together, and then you have to fill your role. So let's fill our roles today. Let me pray.